friends. Hello, friends. Hello, friends. Hello, friends. Chip Nance. Hello and welcome to the Stadium Sports Show. Sean, we've got a lot to talk about. We've got a lot of weekend observations that we have to make regarding the NCAA tournament. A lot of stuff happened. A lot of people cannot say enough about how topsy-turvy and wild this NCAA tournament has been in 2023. To recap really quickly, we got two top seeds are gone. We could have had a 16 seed in the Sweet 16, and we got a 15 seed moving on for the first time, or second time in their school history, but the first time since the 1960s. It's getting wilder and wilder each year, and I think that's great for the sport, and to be honest. I mean, I think that's what makes college basketball special, the NCAA tournament special. Uh, you, I mean, it's, it's what makes it exciting. You don't see this in any other sport. You don't see this in um, – you don't see this in the college football playoff. I mean, you're talking about six teams in the college, in, in, in college football from basically the middle of the season to the end, um, you know, in, in the professional sports by, you know, halfway through the season, you, you've got your list down to probably six or seven teams that are going to win it all. And you're just talking about them the whole time, all the way through the playoffs. Um, so, but this is, it's, it's weekends like this and events like this is what makes college basketball special. And, and you know what, our teams like, uh, like Fairleigh Dickinson, a better team than Purdue? No, but on this day at that time, they, they beat them and they didn't just, they, they didn't just get lucky and they, they went in and they were the better team on that day. And, uh, yeah. Uh, the, the fact that a, a one seed has gone down, not just for the first time ever, like we had with Virginia back in 2018, but this is the second time it's ever happened. In the course of five years, we've seen two number one seeds lose uh, on the opening round. And then we had another one go down very soon after. And if, we, if Houston didn't get their butts in gear in the second half, we very well could only have one number one seed in Alabama remaining. Yep. Um, what was even more remarkable is that Arizona, who many people thought, and we talked about it on the show, that we thought, or at least I did, that Arizona could have been a one seed and that Houston got disrespected because Texas wasn't a number one seed or, you know, Kansas shouldn't have been a number one seed. But ultimately – they played like number one seeds to start the weekend and then just got bounced by it was matchups. Mm -hmm. It was purely matchups. Arkansas played out of their minds when they beat Kansas Purdue. I don't know. A lot of people were calling for Matt Painter's job right after that, because all you had to do was just put the ball in the post against Zach Eady. As you said last week, Fairleigh Dickinson was the smallest team in the country. All you had to do was put in the seven foot four Zach Eady and let him go to town Fairleigh um, Dickinson is ranked 363rd in effective height on Kempom. Out of 363 college teams, <laughs> they're ranked 363rd in effective height. And hey, going back to what you what your your con about Matt Painter, this is now becoming a problem. He loses, he becomes the second coach ever to lose 
to a 16 seed this year. Last year, he loses to St. Peter's in the second round to miss going to the Sweet 16 as a number two seed. And the year before that, in 2021, he got bounced in the first round by number 13 seed North Texas. So now in the past three years, Matt Painter has lost to a team seated 13 or lower. Which is remarkable because they came off of their best NCAA tournament back in 2019 when they took uh, Purdue to the Elite Eight and barely lost, barely lost to eventual champion Virginia. Now, and, so that's, and go ahead. That I mean, that's pretty notable. And you know, actually, uh, people could have said we could we could have seen this coming. According to uh, according to uh, to Kempom, teams traditionally that have been unranked in preseason and then get a number one or number two seed have traditionally underperformed in the tournament to a, to a statistically significant level. Uh, and we saw that this year with both Purdue and Marquette, both and uh, they were both not ranked preseason, both projected to go to the Sweet 16, and both now are going to be watching the Sweet 16 from home. So that Marquette loss, though, I was, I, I, they were coming back, and then you were right last week, never bet against Tom Izzo. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, to some extent, I, I saw it coming a little bit with Purdue. Purdue was playing, the, has played their worst basketball of the season the past three or four weeks with the exception of the Big Ten tournament, but let's be honest, they got a little bit of an easier path uh, in, the, in the Big Ten tournament. No no offense to Penn State. They, they had a great run, but they, they were not exactly the opponent worthy of a Big Ten championship appearance. And, but Marquette, on the other hand, was playing extremely good basketball. They were playing, they were like almost one seed deserving basketball going into this tournament. Now, before before we get too far ahead of ourselves um talking about the the, the specifics of certain games, let's just let's just go a quick uh, region by region rundown of, of what we saw over the weekend. Let's start up in the uh in the south bracket um where we had uh top-seeded Alabama kind of run through their opponents um beating uh beating Texas A&M Corpus Christi in the first round, then Maryland in the uh, in the second round. We had San Diego State beating Charleston in the first round, uh, which was a very good game actually. Then we had Furman beating Virginia, and a lot of people saw that coming. What do you think about that one? So I thought Virginia uh, was in the driver's seat for most of the game. Uh, where they fumbled it though was in the last twelve point two seconds. Uh, what? Anybody who knows anything about basketball would know that if you inbound the ball on your baseline, where's the one place you don't want to go? The corner. Where does the Virginia player go? The corner. The corner. What happens when he goes to the corner? He gets double teamed by Furman, who rightly so. I don't know the name of the Furman coach, but I want to give whoever that is a lot of a credit because the, the fact that they got the ball into the corner and did not foul is why they won the game. So let's bring it back to the faulting of Virginia. Virginia has a timeout left. They get trapped. 
instead of being smart and calling a timeout, because by that time, uh, you'd probably be closer to six seconds left in the game, that forces Furman to foul. Um, and even if you can't get the ball in, it's not the end of the world, you know, that, and then you just defend and try to try to prevent them from, from scoring a three. But anyways, the fact that the player then tried to throw the ball, I don't even know where he's looking because his direction towards, uh, you know, three quarter court was nowhere near anybody uh, on the Virginia Cavaliers team. Furman picks off that pass and with had, the player who picked it off had the presence of mind to dish it to the right wing and they drill it for three. And that's all she wrote. But I want to say that's more of a collapse by Virginia. They should have been more poised in that situation. I think what threw them off was they were anticipating a foul, but Furman went for the double team. They were waiting for a five second and they're like, we got to get, we got to get rid of this ball. Um, But credit Furman on that. That was a great, great game to watch. Um, Yes, it was. And then uh, going through the rest of that side, we had NC State, uh, I'm sorry, Creighton taking care of NC State and then beating Baylor, which wasn't really a big surprise. Creighton was actually nope. by the computer metrics favored to beat Baylor, um, even though they were the lower seed. So the Creighton advances to the team. Then we had uh, Missouri beating Utah State and then Princeton toppling Arizona, uh, who Arizona actually, Jay Billis has picked to win the national championship. Uh, what do you think about this Princeton victory over Arizona, who then went on to beat the other Tigers, the Missouri Tigers, and advanced to the Sweet 16? Listen, that, that was a great game. Uh, Princeton is very athletic. Um, their best player is a freshman, uh, Pierce. Uh, he's a freshman, and I, I got to say, I think Virginia, uh, Arizona, excuse me, came in thinking that they were just going to roll over Princeton, but Princeton stayed tough. They got a great group of individuals, and I am very excited to see Princeton and Creighton play each other uh, this Thursday. That's going to be a great game to watch. I think Creighton's going to win that one, but you know what? Credit Princeton for making it this far. Uh, they're a 15th seed. Nobody expects expects them to do anything. Uh and uh, Creighton's probably going to make it to the Final Four when they uh, have to, if they have to play Alabama because I think Creighton's just too physical. Alabama's not going to be able to keep up, but we'll save that for a little bit later. I'd like Sean, to call on my guy Ed Ogeron right now. Go ahead and say it. Okay. <laughs> Moving over to the Midwest, where we had the Houston Cougars had a little bit of a scare against the Norse of Northern Kentucky, but ended up pulling it out. I think it was just a, a, a case of. Top seed team coming in a little sleepy, but then ended up taking care of business. Not really thinking too much about that uh, because then they they played a very good game against Auburn. One thing I do want to mention about that Auburn game is Auburn's absolute – I mean, Auburn had that game. It's in Birmingham. I, I thought Auburn was extremely underrated as a nine seed. They don't have the best resume this year, but – the way that they have been playing and the way that their capability is, is more along the lines of a five or six seed from what I've seen them play. They're very physical, very talented, big and strong. They went 11 for 25 from the foul line in the second half. It's inexcusable. 
They threw that game away. They had every opportunity to win that game. But you know, you gotta say that's what separates the good teams from from the from the uh, the bad teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's what separates the teams deserving of winning and the, and the team that's deserving of of, of heading home. Um, so you know, nothing too much to say about that one. Houston advances onto the Sweet Sixteen. Um, Miami took care of Drake in a little bit of a scare. Drake was kind of a popular underdog pick. Uh, then they went on to beat Indiana, which uh, was a very, very good game uh, against two uh, two very good teams who I both thought could could make a run to this to the final four going into this. I uh, feel the score the final score is not indicative of the actual play. That's no, that's no, one not at all. Say. We then had Pittsburgh, who uh, who made it out of the first four, beating Iowa State. Pitt's a team that I think that when they get hot, they can beat almost any team in the country. And they got mm-hmm. hot against Iowa State. Then mm-hmm. they kind of fall flat against Xavier. You knew that pit run wasn't going to last forever. Xavier advances to the Sweet 16 behind uh, the uh, triumphant return of Sean Miller to Xavier, who's done a phenomenal job this year bringing back those uh, Musketeers back to their um, level of success that they have known in the past. We had Penn State continuing their Cinderella run with a win over Texas A&M, but then falling short to the University of Texas Longhorns. The problem with that game was when Penn State was playing Texas is they just didn't were not a physical enough or b um, they just didn't have, make timely shots. That's really what it came down to. Uh, Penn State did a phenomenal job at staying in the game. Jalen Pickett had a plenty of opportunities to to capitalize but ultimately uh, texas is a little bit of an older team you know javari rice is a six 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 year player essentially um so one thing it did show in texas's first two rounds and i know that the score against colgate is 81 to 61 that's not indicative of the play of that game either um texas has a lot of issues if your team is going to hit three pointers Texas made a bunch of timely shots and actually I think shot well over 60% in the for from three point against Colgate. Um, if Texas does not make uh, those, those, those shots, Colgate who shot only 43% from the field and only 20% from three, it's a totally different game. Um, so that's one thing we'll see what, what Texas has left, but they're going to face a really tough out against Xavier. No, no, I I think so. I think Xavier has a very high ceiling this year from what I've seen. Um, Now heading out West, we had Kansas taking care of business against Howard in the first round. Uh, Arkansas beating uh, Illinois. uh, And then Arkansas, Eric Musselman was able to take off his shirt and be victorious against Kansas. Um, to be honest, I'm said- not too surprised about that. I, I'm no. not that surprised. Can- Arkansas was ranked 10th uh, in the preseason polls this year. They had a very high ceiling. They just stumbled a bit during the season. They had a lot of ups and downs. Eric Musselman even said this was probably the toughest season he's ever coached. Uh, a big, it was a roller coaster ride for most of the season. But they they're they're getting it together now, um, and. Like a lot of people thought, Kansas was a very vulnerable number one seed. What do you have to take away from that game? I said it. I said it too. I said it in last week's show. You know, Kansas, in my opinion, was not a one seed. They were a very strong two seed. Um, 
But at the end of the day, Arkansas likes to play with a very fast pace. They got a lot of really athletic guys. And uh, unfortunately for Kansas, they didn't have their, you know, leader at the helm. Bill Self was in the hospital. Not going to say that's the whole thing, but, uh, you know, not having your coach there that's won a large majority of, the, of your games, that's going to screw you up, you know. It hurts. And, and I mean, they lost by one point. And I know that that Bill Self, I you, you know, it's, I wouldn't say that Bill Self's absence cost them the game, but you have to think that Bill Self being on that sideline is worth more than a point. I agree. I don't so think I'm not placing would by no means am I placing any blame on Bill Self. By no means am I placing any blame on the coaching staff that that's stepping in for Bill Self. But you have to imagine that Bill Self is worth more than one point on this on board, just his presence on the sideline. And we, we'll never know. Um, and the, the the interesting thing and kind of sad thing is is Kansas now there's two situations two situations in recent years that they have had a legitimate chance of winning the national championship and for circumstances outside of their control have been stripped of that opportunity back in 2020 they were they were going to be absolutely a number one seed potentially the number one overall seed um it was kind of down to them Dayton and I believe San Diego State was kind of in that mix but it was really down to them and Dayton um so they had a legitimate chance to win the 2020 uh, uh, tournament but then it was canceled because of uh the this dumb pandemic and then this year Bill Self unfortunately had to undergo a medical uh, had to undergo a medical procedure um and you know I'm I'm very glad that he put his health first um but you have to imagine that in in another world where Kansas has Bill Self this whole tournament who knows how far they go and th- th- those are kind of things that we'll never know and it, it's unfortunate because it could be the difference between Bill Self being a you know a, a, a two-time national champion or a four-time national champion so mm-hmm. Well, Sean, we got UConn that handled their business uh, just yeah. below them in the in the West. Yeah, UConn, as I've said, they're they're a team that can beat any team on any day, um, if 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 they want to, and they showed that against St. Mary's. St. Mary's is a very good team, um, but I think honestly that that trip out east just kind of slowed them down a little bit. Um, they they looked a bit sluggish against VCU, and then being able to to take down UConn was just too much for them. Um, we had TCU toppling Arizona State, Gonzaga handling Grand Canyon very easily, Northwestern beating Boise State in what was a close game, and uh, UCLA blowing past UNC Asheville and subsequently Northwestern to make it to the Sweet 16. So we have our Sweet 16 of Arkansas, UConn, Gonzaga, and UCLA in that region. Now we're heading to the interesting region. The East, where we had number 16 seed uh, Fairleigh Dickinson University. Who wasn't even supposed to be? They wish they should not have been. They should not have been in the tournament. They didn't win their conference. Granted, they they did win the regular season of their conference. Actually, no, they didn't. Merrimack won the regular season. Merrimack won the regular season. And they and they won the the conference title. They should never have been in the tournament. They got in because of the loophole. 
Fairleigh Dickinson was literally a 17 seed in this tournament, and they beat Purdue. Now, a lot of people, there's a lot of conversation right now. Uh, who? What's a bigger upset, UMBC or Fairleigh Dickinson University? A lot of people like to think that UMBC over Virginia back uh, a couple of years ago for the first one was mm-hmm. the biggest, but it, it, that, that I, I believe is kind of a, a, a bias because it was the first. Um, just to, to talk about some of the numbers here, going into that game, UMBC was a 20 and a half point underdog. Fairleigh Dickinson was a 23 and a half point underdog. Fairleigh Dickinson was ranked 299th in Kempom. UMBC was 188. Fairleigh Dickinson was ranked behind 4 and 28 Louisville, 10 and 22 University of Texas San Antonio, and 8 and 25 University of California Polytech. Wow. They were not a conference champ. And if you were to put the computer numbers of UMBC in 2019 against Fairleigh Dickinson this year, UMBC would have been favored on a neutral court by seven points. Wow. <laughs> so was this the bigger upset? Absolutely. Yes. And it was great. And, and you know what? I know they got bounced in the last round, but I loved every minute that they were still in this tournament. Shout out to Tobin Anderson, head coach of the Fairleigh Dickinson Knights. Former assistant coach at Lemoyne College here in Syracuse. Was there from the late nineties, but offense. Yep, but uh, unfortunately they get bounced by FAU. Which I will say, uh, you watched that game when they played Memphis. I caught a bit of it. Yeah, um, I, great I, I, game. Was, I was pulling. I mean, I, I picked <laughs> Memphis. I thought Memphis was a really strong team going into this tournament. They looked great against Houston in the AAC championship mm-hmm. game. Um, full transparency. I did not know much about FAU going into this. I know that they had a good season, but I really didn't think that they, they played enough to really, they they played enough good competition to be able to compete against Memphis. And they were stronger from statistically from the beginning of the season. So I just didn't have faith in them. Um, but Hey, they've been, they've been playing hard. They've been playing great. FAU played great, and I I think at the end of the day, when Memphis got into that close game, they weren't headstrong enough. But mm-hmm. so, anyways, we're moving on. Uh, Duke beats Oral Roberts, Tennessee beats Louisiana, and then Tennessee handles their business against the Dukies, 65-52 to advance to the Sweet 16. What'd you make of that Tennessee and Duke game? It was a good game. I, I think it just came down to Duke Duke's inexperience and youth. Duke is going to be a very very good team next year. They're a young team. They got a lot of guys returning. Um, this was John Shire's first go around. I know he's been with Krzyzewski for a long time, but it's different when you're the head guy. And, you know, I, I have full faith that Duke is going to come back next year and be a much, much better team. Um, they definitely um, outperformed down the stretch this year. So I, I, I'm excited to see what's going to come from Duke in the next year or two. Um, but overall, I think that was a good game. And, you know, Tennessee played well, fully deserving of heading to the Sweet 16. I was really impressed with Tennessee. I think at this point, they're pro- they're probably going to be the favorite, at least out of the East region, to make the Final Four um, out of them or our next team that we're about to talk about. Uh, but uh, considering the amount of injuries they've had, really impressive performance. Um, so anyways, Kentucky beats Providence, Kansas State meets, beats Montana State, and then Kansas State bounces Cal Perry for a trip to the Sweet 16. Kansas State 
beat Kentucky 75-69. How about this for a story of the tournament? Keontae Johnson, former Florida Gator, suffered a cardiac incident in Florida when he was a member of the Florida Gators, was given the opportunity to, you know, never play basketball again, or was given a $5 million NCAA insurance coverage because he was a player and he would be taking it for disability and would never be allowed to play basketball anywhere else again ever. He bet on himself and is probably going to be a late round NBA pick. He had a huge three-pointer that propelled Kansas State over Kentucky. Sean, you watched that game? I did, yeah. And that, that was a great game. It's a great story. Kansas State picked to finish last in the Big 12 Conference. Jerome Tang has done a phenomenal job bringing that team together and having the success that he had in the toughest conference in America. Uh, it's it, it's it's just a great story. And, and, and you know, Marquise Nawal played out of his mind yesterday. That was incredible. He played out of his mind. He he played himself into the conversation. Now, he's not going to win, but he played himself into the conversation of being a, a Naismith player, or a Wooden Award candidate or a Naismith Player of the Year candidate um, just by that game. And, and he's not going to win because he doesn't have the body of work to show for it. But the way he played yesterday, if you only look at him yesterday – he played like like a wooden award candidate. He's gonna go. He's gonna be going places. Um, I love the culture that that Jerome Tang has has brought around that place. And um, yeah, you know, I I, I am um, very happy for the for the Kansas State Wildcats. Uh, and then we had um, we had Tom Izzo, Tom Izzo, Mister March coming through again with a victory over Marquette. Uh, what'd you take away from that one? I just took away that Shaka Smart has yet to make another Final Four since he was at VCU. And it's going to be a tough year considering how well Marquette played this season and then they come up short. Um, Credit Michigan State all the way. It's going to be a fun game to watch between them and Kansas State on Thursday. That's going to be a lot of fun. I I, I can't really say anything more than that. Michigan State just played great. They hit timely shots. They rebounded. They did everything they needed to. And Marquette just came up a little bit short. Going to be a great game. we got a lot of great games coming Thursday and Friday. The slate is set. We are going to take a real quick break. And then we're going to be back talking about who are the best teams remaining and who of them or somebody else will make the final four. Stay tuned. We will be back momentarily. And we are back here on the city of sports show. Sean and I are about to take us through the best remaining top four seeds. Sean, if we're reseeding the Sweet 16, who are your top four seeds? Well, I am going to start off by reading uh, Chip Patterson reseeded all Sweet 16 teams. Chip Patterson, uh, CBS Sports College Basketball writer, um, seeded them from 1 to 16. What he has is number one Houston. I'm sorry, number one Alabama, number two Houston, number three UCLA. Number four, UConn, five, Texas, six, Gonzaga, seven, Creighton, 
eight Kansas State, nine Tennessee, 10 Arkansas, 11 Michigan State, 12 Xavier, 13 Miami, 14 San Diego State, 15 FAU, and 16 Princeton. Before I give my opinion on this, where would you, what would you change, or do you think this is accurate? Without looking at it in front of me, what I would say is I felt like Princeton is probably as good of a team as they are. I may switch them with FAU only under the presence that FAU had to play Memphis. Memphis was a good team. They were a conference champion. But Princeton had to play Missouri, who is a significantly better team than Fairleigh Dickinson. And they had to beat Arizona, who is also a significantly better team than uh, Memphis. So I would probably switch that. I think Creighton, What where's Creighton ranked on that list? Creighton is seven. I feel like that is, I mean, that, you're, you're pretty much saying you're on the top half. But, I mean, I, I might switch Texas up with UCLA. I feel like UCLA, you know, give them credit. They played Northwestern to a five-point game and beat them, you know, and they and they handled their business against UNC Asheville. But I haven't feel like they've been really tested yet. So that'd be the only change I might make is put Texas up because Penn State, Jalen Pickett was a number one uh, AP first team All-American, and they seem to handle him pretty well. Um, and he's a very impressive player for Penn State. But Texas was just clearly better. Um, I would probably make that change. But um, that's maybe it. You said Tennessee is one of the top four seeds, right? No, Tennessee is ninth. I don't know. A lot of people were saying coming to the tournament, Duke was the best team in the country or was playing very much like that. That would probably have to change. Tennessee is significantly better than ninth. My list would be a bit different than this. I, I still believe Alabama, Houston, one and two. I. Mm-hmm. I would probably say UCLA number three still, but I, I do agree with you that Texas should be four. Um, you, as good as UConn played, I think Texas is a little bit better. So that's my top four is Alabama, Houston, UCLA, and Texas. Then uh, still continuing on, U, uh, UConn, Gonzaga, right there. Um, I would put I would put Kansas I would put Tennessee in, uh, above Kansas State and Creighton. I put Kansas State above Creighton, kind of mix up that seven, eight, nine ranking. Um, and I think the rest is pretty accurate. I might put Miami up ahead of Michigan State. I swap Miami and Michigan State at 11th from uh, 11th and 13th. Um, so then, uh, yeah, it would go uh, Arkansas 10th, Miami 11th, Xavier 12th, Michigan State 13th. Then I think the bottom is correct with San Diego State, FAU, and Princeton. Um, just from a an overall body of work standpoint, I just don't think Princeton, you can put Princeton any higher than 16th. FAU, throughout the season, they, they did show that they were a very good team and very capable team, um, regardless of who they, he, they beat in the tournament. And they can't control who they play in the tournament. But um, you're reseeding it based on the last... Two True. Games played. 
True, true. But I don't, th- to be honest, I don't think that Arizona was that good of a number two seed. I mean, from, from watching them play, they didn't look good. They, they beat good. Kansas by 20 and they were a number one seed. They no, beat no. Kansas by 20 and Kansas was a number one seed. I under- No, I'm saying against Princeton, Arizona did not look good. Well, of course it did because Princeton beat them. I mean, they were out of sorts. I think their mindset was, let's look past this game and see who we got to play. Are we are we going to have to play, uh, you know, are we going to have to play Missouri or are we going to have to play Utah State? I think their minds were already, they were focusing on the Sweet 16 because everybody, well, a lot of people had them winning the whole thing, at least making the Final Four. So that's 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 my rebuttal to that. So I think then we can agree that of our top four. Um, I mean, it's they're in a slightly different order, but I think that we we we're in agreement that Alabama, Houston, UCLA, and Texas are the top four teams remaining. I would. That? I'd say Alabama is by far head and shoulders above everybody else. They're the best number one team. Um, I would probably say Houston's not the second best team. I mean, I know I just said a couple minutes ago that I would probably change UCLA out for, um, you know, potentially Tennessee or somebody else or UConn. I probably put UCLA at two, UConn or Tennessee at four or three, excuse me. And I'd probably put Texas or Houston at the four spot because I I am worried. Now, mind you, this I'm making this decision off of the last two games. Houston didn't play well in the first half against Auburn, and they didn't really play great against Northern Kentucky. Now, I get it. Marcus Sasser was hurt, and he's got a hamstring injury, but they got to play Miami. I don't think they're a number one seed against Miami. And Miami played a phenomenal game against Indiana. And I thought Indiana was a head and shoulders far better team than Miami was. Um, Indiana, I had in our bracket, I had Indiana winning the whole thing because I think Trace Jackson Davis is that guy. Um, But he will never get that chance to play for a national title. So those would be the only changes I would make. I will say. Definitely disrespected Kansas State in our last podcast. They are a legitimate three seed, and um, they're probably a two seed if we're re-ranking everybody. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there, there is legitimately still in the Sweet 16. There's eight teams that if they go to like, so I'll give you an example. If either UCLA or Gonzaga go to the, go to the Elite Eight they're legitimately in contention to win the national ch- championship. They are strong teams. Um, UConn, if they win, I see them winning a national championship. I could see Arkansas going to the final four, but that's their ceiling. Um, Texas or Xavier, it's a pick em. Same thing with Houston and Miami. Probably not Miami winning the whole thing. They went to the final four a year ago, they, but that would be their ceiling. Um played great against Baylor played phenomenal against Baylor so uh, there's gonna be there's still a lot of teams out there that can win the whole freaking thing 
Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the, of those top four teams, though, are all of them or any of them going to make the Final Four? Alabama is just because it's either Alabama or Creighton between between those two teams. Um, Alabama's got, I think, just the scoring. Creighton's a little more physical. Um, they played in a really good Big East where, you know, you've got 60% of the teams that made the tournament from the Big East are still competing. That's Xavier, UConn, and Creighton. Um, so Alabama's probably got the edge. They'll probably make the the sweet the excuse me the final four. Um, I think UConn's really good. The problem for UConn though is they're going to face a tough out the next time they suit up. Um, they're going to have to end up playing either Gonzaga or UCLA. That's not going to be a, an easy out. And in the East, I think Texas. Or excuse me, Tennessee in the East. Tennessee in the East is probably going to make it to the Final Four. And in the Midwest, that's a bar fight. <laughs> the mid Midwest is a bar fight. Um, I I couldn't tell you. Texas looked really, really good, really good um, against Penn State, but they made timely shots. That was the difference. Um, they probably beat Xavier, and then they probably they probably lose to Houston or Miami. I could actually see Texas losing to Miami because Miami's got the guard play. Isaiah Wong is phenomenal, and their pace of play. It was fast, really fast. They Jim got a Larinaga lot of guards. Jim Larinaga is an excellent, excellent coach in the tournament as well. He's had a lot of history, um, of of a lot of success in. Uh, in the tournament, dating back to his days when um, with George with George Mason, when they made that big run as a, as a 12 seed um, back in 2006 and made it all the way to the final four. But if you're asking me to pick a final four right now, I'll give you Alabama, Tennessee, Miami, and UConn. Those are my final, those are the four, my final four. Yeah, I mean, I think the East is going to be the toughest one. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with, with Alabama. I think I'm going to have to go with Tennessee. Um, as much as I, as, as much as Kansas State has impressed me recently, um, I got to go with Tennessee just, just because of how, how they've played throughout the season. I just think that they, they are the better overall team. Um, and uh, so I think that Kansas State's run will end against Tennessee. Uh, and then on the other side of the bracket, it, the Midwest is going to be Midwest is going to be a dogfight. Um, I think what what that's going to come down to is can Houston step up against better competition and and overtake some of the big dogs like Texas, like Miami. Um, who team teams that are a little bit more of that powerhouse type team that they haven't had a ton of experience playing this year. Um, ultimately, um, I think they get past Miami, but I think they fall to Texas. I, uh, I just like the way that Texas has come together behind Rodney Terry. 
Uh, he's done a great job reuniting that team since since the whole Chris Beard incident. I was a little unsure of how they would respond to that back when that all went down earlier this year, but they have really, really rebounded well. And um, I think that, that they make a push and go to the Final Four. Full transparency, have them winning the whole thing. So, you know... A um, little bit of bias in there, but uh, but I, I think Texas is the better, more physical team. And you, you got to be a little concerned about Marcus Sasser as well, because um, we saw without Marcus Sasser at Houston, they're not the Houston team that we know. No, they're not that. They're not nearly as good. They lose their offensive rhythm. They lose their go. If they need to make a shot, they lose their guy. Um, and I think that's going to hurt them. If Marcus is not 100%, I know he played, you know, close to 30 minutes uh, in the second round game against Auburn. But at the same time, he's it, the game's going to be fast against Miami. That's the way Miami's played. And th- they're going to be gassed. They're, they're Houston, the Cougars are going to get gassed. Miami can play at that pace. Um, and they're going to enforce their will at that pace. So, Houston's going to have to come ready to play fast. Yep. And then in the West, who um, you, I think it's going to come down to UConn and UCLA. And, uh, but, but I think that, that UCLA ends up winning that one. Um, okay. I, I think that they have the, the overall, the talent and experience to win that one, not to take anything away from UConn. I think that they have made great strides this year. And I think that they're just maybe a year or two away from getting to the final four themselves. So that's my final four. You got Alabama, um, Tennessee, Texas and UCLA. Um, and repeat yours again, Rob. Uh, I've got Alabama, Tennessee, Miami, and UConn. All right. Well, we will see who is going to be right. We got some great games coming up this weekend. Um, but before we go, I do want to give a shout out to my guy, Mr. March, Tom Izzo, uh, who we have talked about on this show as being Mr. March. Always fear him in the tournament. He with this, well, with his win yesterday, moved up to set, tied for seventh all time in the most sweet 16s in men's division one history. Trivia time. Who's ahead of him? Tom Izzo just got his 15th, made his 15th sweet 16. Who has more than him? His 15th? He has 15. He is tied. I'll give you. I'll, I'll, I'll give you this. He is tied with John Calipari, Bob Knight, Adolph Rupp, and John Wooden with 15th for for uh, seventh most all time. So you're asking me who's number one? Yeah. Can you can you name any of the top five? Any of the top five? Uh, probably Coach K's got to be on that list. Yeah, Coach K at number one. Anybody else? Wow. Uh, Jim Beheim. Yeah, Jim Beheim at three with twenty. Uh, I'll let you think. go. I'll let you keep going until you get one wrong. Uh, can't be John Thompson. I'm not going to count that as a guess. Okay. Dean Smith. Dean Smith is number two with twenty-one. You got two more. Mm. Tony, one of them's a tough one. Um, uh, Rick Pitino. 
And wow, okay. So yeah. who are the four Mike and five? Mike number one with 26. Dean Smith, number two with 21. Jim Beheim number tw- number three with 20. Roy Williams, mm. four with 19. Mm-hmm. De- and Denny Crum, 16. Never would have uh, gotten that. Coming in sixth place. And Never we have, like I said, one. Tom Enzo, Calipari, Knight, Rupp, and Wooden, all with 15. He also became the, the uh, second most has the second most wins now as a I'm sorry the most sweet 16 appearances as a five seed or lower mm-hmm. trivia time part two who did he pass he passed Jim Beheim. he passed yep. Jim Beheim for Jim six Boeheim. most sweet 16 appearances as a five seed or lower solidifying himself as the Mr. March and coincidence I think not he wears green in March. I think it's coincidence that he passed Jim Beheim because usually Michigan State has issues playing Syracuse in the tournament. You know, they're, they're, we could go down a lot of different <laughs> rabbit holes here. <laughs> but no, that's good. That's good. I would say, well, there's one thing. There are actually two things that we missed while everybody was watching basketball. Colgate University men's hockey came off a historic upset weekend. They were ranked fifth in the ECAC hockey. And they came back and beat number one seeded Harvard three to two in the ECAC championship game to advance the NCAA tournament. Who do they play? Michigan sometime this week. Don't know when. I think it's Friday. Four teams from the ECAC came, uh, came up into the NCAA tournament for hockey, which is significantly smaller than backs than basketball. I think only 12, 12 teams get in that. It's a very small bracket. Um, and then, Sean, I don't know if you saw this, but it was a very bad day for for Purdue basketball. But it was a very, very, very good day for Purdue wrestling on Saturday. I don't, did you see this? Uh, did they win something? Matt Ramos. He pins three-time wrestling NCAA champion Spencer Lee of Iowa in a stunning upset. He pinned, Ramos pinned Spencer Lee in the closing seconds of their semifinal match on Friday night. He was a four-seed at 125 pounds, and he got the fall with one second remaining in the third period to end Spencer Lee's wrestling career and also ended the nation's longest winning streak at 58 matches. Wow. Just something that, that you don't see every day. It was all over social media. It was, I guess, a big win for wrestling, for the wrestling world. Um, and I think there's a meme out there of Spencer Lee's mother taking her glasses off and crushing them and throwing them away. You know, you learn something new every day. If, if for those of you out there who uh, somehow were able to listen to us blabber this long, I, uh, I didn't, you probably didn't think you'd be getting a lesson on uh, Patriot League hockey and uh, the Division One wrestling championships. Patriot but, League is not a league for hockey. It's only ECAC hockey. Sorry. Sorry. My it's apologies to ECAC. Conference. My apologies to ECAC. <laughs> Shoutouts to Tom Izzo. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week. This has been the Stadium Sports Show. For myself, Robert Jeffrey, and for Sean Beanie, thank you for tuning in. We appreciate your viewership, and we hope to be better next week. We gone.